Good morning, church family. It is so good to be here with you, and I don't need to preach after that. Thank you, Mel. Can we give Mel another round of applause and all our helpers? The cross is at the core of everything. That's why today we have titled the whole service, But for the Cross. Because the cross, at the end of the day, is the whole reason that we're Christian. The whole reason that we're here today is because of what Jesus did at the cross for all eternity, for you and for all your ancestors and all the people that have come before you. Jesus did it all. And can I just have my slides up there? There we go. Perfect. And the thing is, is we as humans have kind of stuffed this whole story up. And I'll explain. It's a bit fuzzy right now, but I bring what I've got up there on the screen into clarity. Because for the past 2,000 years, we have sought to understand Jesus and the new way of life that he brought to humanity. You see, the cross didn't make heaven something that's later, The cross, this is going to be controversial for some of us, the cross brought heaven into a reality that we can have in community with one another now. In that the kingdom of God was brought to fruition by Jesus at the cross. Jesus spent his whole time here on earth in his ministry explaining to the disciples what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like this and like that. It's like a farmer who sows his seed and only the good seed grows and so on and so forth. He gives all of these parables and these stories. And yet the disciples still didn't get it. The disciples... hmm, The disciples got to... Can you just uh, click the next one for us? It's not working today. I'll put it up the top. There you go. All right. The disciples, you see, couldn't understand Jesus' ministry without the cross. They just couldn't get it. They were just struggling to understand it, and they got to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter, in the Garden of Gethsemane, could not understand what Jesus was about to go and do, despite the fact that Jesus had told them plainly. Each of the disciples' ministry was nothing without the cross. You see, the disciples didn't begin their ministry until after Jesus had died on the cross and was resurrected. They were learning underneath the master up until the point that Jesus released them to go and fulfill their calling. And without the cross, the disciples could not get it through their heads what the Messiah meant. You see, whilst they were in the garden, they slept. Whilst in the garden, they protected Jesus when they were angry with a sword. But Jesus said, no. My kingdom is not like that. My kingdom looks a little bit more like this. The king hung 
on a cross. Killed by his own people. Killed by the religious authorities of his day because the Messiah didn't look the way they wanted the Messiah to look. It looked a bit too loving and kind and not rule-following enough for them. They wanted their way of living, their way of law to be enforced and Jesus wasn't about that. You see, Jesus turned this whole thing, this whole religion thing upside down. He said, no, no, it's not about personal power and gain. It's about getting rid of all of that and having love for one another at the core of everything that we do. Maybe being a little bit more tolerant of who gets to be a part of our communities. The kingdom of God is open to all who will accept it. They don't have to look like us before they're allowed to be a part of the kingdom of God. They don't have to fit a certain standard before they're allowed to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus said today. Pick up your mat and go home. In other words, today you are healed. If we go through all the healing narratives, we can see that every single one of them is just a little image into what salvation is like for you and me. Jesus found me in a broken state and he made me whole. Jesus can find you in whatever state you are in and he will make you whole. You see, Jesus insisted that although he was the Messiah, his Messiahship could not be adequately understood apart from his suffering, death, and resurrection. We don't get it unless we understand that he died, he suffered, and he was resurrected for you. This is what it says in Mark chapter 15. Uh, sorry, Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 32. The disciples could not understand that. It says, They went on from there and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and they were afraid to ask him. They didn't want to understand what Jesus was saying was going to happen. Jesus was saying, I, the Messiah, and going to suffer at the hands of the very people who have been looking for me for a very long time. It wasn't some accident that this happened, was it? No, no, Jesus is saying this has to happen for all people. He understood what was coming and the disciples were afraid to truly see it. But for the cross, we would not be here. So Jesus goes from there, he makes his way into Jerusalem, and he's captured, taken, arrested by Pilate, and the story goes on. And then we get to this scene where he is hung upon the cross. It would have been a bit taller and a fair bit bigger than this. There was no way his feet were going to reach the ground. 
I won't go into the gruesome details of crucifixion, but it is still to this day the most brutal form of execution, which is why it is still employed by some of the most horrible groups here on earth today. We suffocate, and he suffered. And he's in his darkest moment. But even in Jesus' darkest moment, guess what? God is for him. God is for us in our darkest moment. On the cross, when it was noon, as things were starting to get dark and the end was nearing, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Even the weather was morning. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma shabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? What does this mean? Why on earth is Jesus saying this on the cross? Some people say that it means that God's presence had withdrawn. God's presence was still there. God himself, his own son, was on the cross. When some of the bystanders heard it, what did they say? They said, listen. He's calling for Elijah. You see, the Jews knew that they were looking for someone, for someone to fulfill this purpose. But no, he wasn't just looking for Elijah. If we go and we scroll all the way back through the Bible to Psalm 22, it says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Why am I suffering so deeply here on this earth? Why are things so broken. Maybe this morning you can, you can connect with that, that things are just a bit messy. Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. It goes on, and it says, it's like the big but, it says, yet, yet, This is what Jesus, in my view, in my assertion, was referencing when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew what came next. We as humans, we sometimes get stuck in the brokenness that we forget to see through that and see that God is still faithful to us. He still loves us and he's coming through and he has a plan of salvation that he has enacted at the cross. It says, yet you are holy and throned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them to you. They cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And we know as we read the story that Jesus, was he put to shame? Sure, but he was resurrected. And the plan of salvation was fulfilled. Going deeper in the faith that Christ gives us enables us to see the way that he has always been faithful to us. Going deeper in relationship with Christ, kind of what, what, what Melbourne, the kid's story, was speaking about, right? Allowing Christ to give us his faith that allows us to have a deeper relationship with him. You see, I'm not, I, I have a really small amount of faith. Sometimes my faith is as small as a mustard seed. But guess what Jesus says? Even faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. 
You might feel like your faith is dwindling, but let me tell you that even that little bit of faith, Jesus wants to do a lot with. Because even in our darkest moment, God is still working. As Jesus died on the cross, God was still walking, working. As Satan thought he had victory, but I can probably guarantee that Satan knew that he did not have victory. He knew what was coming. It had been prophesied and even Satan knows that God's word is true and faithful and correct. And it had been prophesied that Jesus would, write, would, would rise. Then we see the kingdom of God come to fruition. That we should be able to live in harmony and peace with one another here on earth. Mark 10.45 says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Was it a ransom for one? Is it a ransom for a couple? No, no, it's a ransom for many. Jesus has paid the price. In the book of Romans, which we're going to read in just a moment, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. I deserve death, but Christ has given me a gift. If I accept him. And this morning you might be sitting here and you have not yet accepted Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Christ is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is accept a gift. That's all that our part actually is. All those that accept Christ have had their ransom paid for. You have freedom in Christ. You are made new in Christ. Christ has paid the ransom for you. You don't have to be held bondage and a slave to sin. You can be set free to a new life. But I've got news for you. Humans love placing themselves at the centre of the story. If I could just do this, if I could just get rid of this little bit over here and that little bit here, and I'm sorry, that's depressing. I'm never going to get rid of all of this sin. I'm a broken person. It's not an excuse to go on being... Naughty and ignoring that mess. No, it's to acknowledge that mess and say, thank you, Jesus, for covering my mess in the heavenly courts. Because humans, we love placing ourselves in the place of Jesus, thinking that we can have a Messiah complex, that we can solve everything. Jesus, alone, is the one who brings salvation to all. Because Jesus, my friends, is the centre of the story. His cross, what he did. That's why we're here today. That's why we even exist as a church. That's why we know that he is coming back soon. Because of what he accomplished on the cross. That cross, it's pretty brutal. It's gruesome. But he hung there for three days. 
and he was placed in a tomb. If you want to read the story, you can go to Mark 15. And he was buried there. And the sun came up, and it went down, and it came up, and it went down, and he rose. I want to tell you that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He made the sole atoning sacrifice for all of humanity. And this is what it says in Romans 3, 23 to 24. It says, since all have sinned, how many have sinned? All have sinned. And you might hear people in the world say, I have got rid of all my sin. There was a box up here with pride on it. That's what that is. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 25, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. That is justification or righteousness by faith alone. Nothing else, faith alone. That's what we as a church have planted as something that we stand for. Righteousness through, through faith alone. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justice justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. And then it says in kind of a sister verse in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Lord, I believe in this King who died on the cross for my sin and he died on the cross for your sin. He's still working right now in the most holy place on your behalf, covering every day all the mess with his righteousness, with his robes of righteousness. And I want you today to have the opportunity as we listen to some stories in just a moment of how the cross has changed people's lives to let the cross change your life today. Let go. Take yourself out of the centre of the story and put Jesus where he is meant to be.